You are listening to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. Now, let's jump into this week's talk. Welcome to Brave Church. We are in week two of our spring cleaning series, and we are just in this mode right now of cleaning out our garages, our houses, or wherever our living space is. We're just organizing stuff, getting through it, but we really see this as a powerful metaphor for what God wants to do in our souls. A time to evaluate, take inventory of what really matters and how we're prioritizing our lives. And so in today's message, Paul talks about something that has a huge effect on how we live our lives. Paul talks about money. Now, hey, when I, when I saw that I was going to be teaching on this topic, I thought, shoot, usually I give the old man these verses, okay? But I'm actually really excited about this because money talks. And it's often in moments of need or in crisis, economic crisis, that money speaks the loudest. And this is such a core topic to how we live our lives. I mean, we notice money, we deal with money, it affects us every single day. And so we're gonna get right to it. But hey, I wanna give you a disclaimer. I'm not gonna ask you for money. Okay, so before you go, shoot, uh, I'm gonna go watch that other church I've been watching online, or I'm gonna put Moana on for the thousandth time. Like, hey, hang with me. That's not where we're going with this, okay? I promise you this is gonna be really helpful. Let's take a look at Philippians 4, 10 through 20. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Money is a lot like fire. Okay, you can do a lot of good things with directed fire. You can heat things, you can, you can cook. I mean, you can barbecue with fire, right? And so if, uh, if you have any doubt about how good fire can be, I mean, I just said barbecue, right? And so we know that fire can be a really good thing. But also, undirected fire, out of control fire, can be devastating. It can do incredibly damaging things. Undirected, out of control fire can burn a house down. It can devastate entire regions. If we lose control of fire, we can be in big trouble. And money's the same way. Without a plan, money can do bad things to good people. 
it creates conflict. In fact, money and money problems is the number one reason or number one contributor to divorces. Money can make us greedy. Money can cause us to lose sight of what really matters. But I just told you that it's not all bad, right? The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. In fact, look what it says in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So the Philippian church was full of good and genuine people, but what we also know about them from what historians have told us is that they weren't wealthy. They were actually a poor church. But we, and we know from financial terms that Paul uses in verses 17 and 18 when he talks about the gifts they sent him and the concern they showed that they actually sent money. And so a little background, you know, Paul, he was a tent maker. He had a side hustle. He had some business stuff going on. And sometimes that supported his ministry. But other times when he was away planting churches and off furthering the kingdom, he would rely on the generosity of churches to help support his ministry. And so now here we find Paul in prison and this church is able to send support and they're able to help him. And Paul is really grateful for their support. And also, Paul gives us some insight as he's thanking them and receiving their support of how we are to think about money. Because how we think about money affects so much of our lives. The title of today's talk is Make Room for More. I believe that during this spring cleaning, soul cleansing season, God wants to show us some ways in how we think about money that can make more room for God's stuff in our lives. And so today we're going to take some steps to make room for more. Turn to someone you're watching with and say, make room for more. If you're watching alone, throw it in the chat. Listen, we're going to make room for more. And we're going to look at four principles to make room for more. Now, note these aren't four principles for getting rich. These aren't four principles to convince you to give more money. These are biblical principles to teach us how God sees money so that we can see money God's way. Now, the first point, number one, if you're taking notes, is that we can't give what we don't have. Generosity flows from a place of prosperity. Now, this term prosperity has been hijacked, okay? There's this, this thing you might have heard of called prosperity gospel, and this is a camp or anyone who believes that the, the gospel and the core message of the gospel is all about getting rich and that God wants you to prosper, and if you're not prospering, then you're not doing it right. Now, that's not the point of prosperity. Prosperity is actually a really good term. It's a great word. And all it really means is that you have more than enough, meaning you have enough to give to others. God does want our lives to prosper. To prosper is to have more than enough. It's to be in a position that you can do something for other people. And so this applies to finances, but not just finances. It's having margin in your schedule to be available when someone needs help. It's using your gifts and the things that you're really good at or whatever you have more than enough of that you can use those things to be, to be a help, to be a blessing. But you can't give what you don't have. If you don't have time, you can't give time. If you don't have patience, you can't give patience. If you don't have joy, you can't bring joy to others. If you don't have money, you can't give financial support. And if you don't have peace, you can't comfort others. You can't give what you don't have. And so what do you have? 
Spring cleaning is a, a great season for decluttering, organizing, figuring out what you have, what you want to give away, get rid of, or keep. It's a season where we become very well aware of what we have and what we don't have. And so for us, we've been doing this and you know, we moved from an apartment into a home and so we haven't had a lot of excess. And, and one of my favorite things is getting rid of stuff or, or giving it away. I love to declutter and you know, bring it back to just the essentials. And so for us though, because we don't have a ton of stuff to get rid of, it's been more like we've noticed things that we don't have that we wish we had. And you know, like for example, the other day, uh, I'm sitting at this dining room table that we have that I've turned into my desk. And I love sitting at this table or desk as I've just started calling it. I'm trying to claim it as my desk, okay? But that's not, I'm not getting too far with that because my wife really wants some chairs. And so she came in the other day and she's like, check out these chairs that would be so great for this table. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, it's never gonna get better than this. Like I can look outside from this table. I've got perfect light. I think really well here. And now she wants to put some chairs around it, right? But she's showing me these chairs. And it's a great deal because the store that's selling them is going out of business. But, you know, then we were talking about it and I'm like, first of all, who's coming over? Like, who's coming over for dinner? Like, why do we need these chairs? And of course, we've been sheltering in place for two months and my wife's ready to have a dinner party, you know? And so here we are. And then, but then we started talking about it and we were like, you know what? We actually don't have the finances to do this right now. Like, it doesn't matter that it's a, a great deal, that it's a great sale. We're not going to go into debt. We're not going to use our credit card to buy chairs for our dining table. And so we really can't afford them. And by the way, have you noticed that this term affordable is so relative, right? Like my, my great grandpa Rice, he lived off of the rental income of properties that him and my grandma Rice owned. And when people would try to sell him something or get him to buy something, uh, he, he, one of his favorite things to do is just say, I'm on a fixed income. Now his fixed income was a lot higher than someone living off of social security, but you get my point, right? Like it's all relative. You, uh, terms like expensive, affordable, even rich or poor can mean different things from person to person. Because often what we have to give starts with how we prioritize with what we've been given. What we have to give starts with how we prioritize with what we've been given. It starts with our plan for our resources, a plan to make room for more. See, when it comes to our family's finances, we've decided to make room in our budget so that we can be generous. And that means that we don't get everything we want when we want it. We've also decided to save for the future, which again means that we don't get everything we want when we want it. Now, I understand that some of us are in positions where we're living paycheck to paycheck, but there's two different kinds of paycheck to paycheck. There's paycheck to paycheck by choice, because of the decisions that we've made that put us in that position. And then there's paycheck to paycheck or no paycheck because you're in a really tough spot and you're in need. And you know, one of the most beautiful things about this season, because there are a lot of people all over the country and all over the world that are in need right now, is the church is able to stand up and be the church and to be a generous community that meets one another's needs. So I just wanna remind you again, if you're in a difficult position, Email compassion at bravechurch.org. We would love to be there for you and to be generous right now. So let's, you know what, let's give a shout out to the Brave Compassion team because they are crushing it and they're meeting all kinds of needs, not even just financial. But in this context, I'm talking about whether or not we choose to make room for more. 
Where Brave is based here in the San Francisco Bay Area, it is widely known as one of the wealthiest parts of the world. And you know, I'm almost hesitant even using that word wealthy because many of you watching that live in the Bay Area might not think of yourselves as wealthy. But if you can afford to live here, whether you own a home, rent a home, you are still among the wealthiest people in the world if you can afford to live here. Now, would you have more square footage if you moved somewhere else? Probably. But if you can live here, you're wealthy. And so if you're watching with someone, just turn to them and say, you're wealthy. And then say, give me some money. <laughs> but here's the deal. For a lot of us, having margin to give is a matter of priorities. It's how we make our financial decisions. It's a matter of how much room we want to make. Now, if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? Do I need this or do I want this? And if I get what I want, how does that impact my ability to bless others? I like what John Wesley said. He said, followers of Jesus should make all they can, save all they can, and give all they can. So number one is we can't give what we don't have. And then number two, when we're concerned to give, we discover what we really care about. When we have little and when we have a lot, what we continue giving to out of concern says so much about where our heart is. To be concerned about something is to think about it. It's to care about it. It's to value it. The Philippian church, they were concerned about Paul. So they sent support, but they also sent a friend who could go and, and, and deliver that support and stay for a little while and be there and to comfort him. They were, they were concerned about all of his needs. They wanted to encourage him. They cared about his, his soul. They cared about his emotional health. They cared about how he was feeling. You know, one of the things that's been so encouraging to Pastor Darren and I is all of the people that have been calling us up out of concern and just asking, hey, how is Brave Church doing financially? Is there, is there anything that we can do to help, to keep Brave Church strong during this time? And you know, they're, they're calling up, they're asking, not because you know, they wanna know just the, the gossip or, or whatever, but they really, they really care and they're prepared to do something. And that has just been so beautiful to experience because it just says, we're in this. This is our church. It's not your church, it's not their church, it's our church and we're concerned about it and we care about the health of our church. So we appreciate you. It means the world. You have no idea, especially during a time like this. In the first few weeks of uh, Shelter in Place, I got a message from my barber. She lives in San Francisco and she comes out every now and then like on Easter and that kind of thing. But she started watching Brave Online and she sent me a photo of her computer screen because she was giving $100 online. And I was just so blown away by that. It just encouraged my heart because here she is a barber, like they're not busy right now. They don't have a lot of work. And she's sending me a photo because she wants me to know that she cares, that she's concerned and she believes in what God's doing here in our church. And I just thought that was so cool. So number two, when we're concerned to give, we discover what we really care about. And number three, investing in God's stuff is never a loss. Investing in God's stuff is never a loss. Look what Paul said in verses 15 and 16. He said, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. I wonder if anyone thought, and this is just my opinion, but I wonder if anyone thought, hey, should we really send these resources to Paul? I mean, he's stuck in prison. Like, 
maybe we should send them elsewhere. There's probably some other missionaries out there. Like how much can Paul accomplish from prison? Now, it turns out he could accomplish a lot. But the point is like when you invest in something, you're hoping for a good return. Not always, but in many cases, an investment can be kind of like placing a bet. And wise investors are very calculated and careful to try to minimize the bet. For example, if you're investing in the S&P 500 index fund, you're placing a bet that the world economy has to collapse for you to lose everything. And it has to stay collapsed for a really long period of time. Now, it's possible, but it's not probable. Those are similar words, but there's a big difference. And until these last few months, many of us probably didn't even think it was possible. And, you know, it's, it's very unlikely because things are going to rebuild. Like, we will build back from where we are right now. And so that's one way of looking at the risk of investment. But check this out. When you invest your life and your resources and your time and you give your best of what you have, your skills and your talents, when you give that to God, it always produces a return. And it is never wasted, even when things don't turn out the way that you might have hoped or the way that you would have thought. Um, I used to do concrete work with my papa, and he would always give me these life talks on the way to job sites. And one of the things that has always stuck with me, I love this, is he, is he said, hey, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to think about the things that you wished you hadn't done. You're going to regret the things that you wished you had done. You're going to regret the risks that you wish you would have taken. And so the truth is, in life, we can't really even move forward without risks. Most things are a risk. It's a risk to move. It's a risk to change jobs. It's a risk to start a new business. It's a risk to get married or start a family or have another child. All kinds of things in life require risks. But when we make these decisions prayerfully, considering what matters to God and allowing Him to guide us, we don't have to worry about the outcome. Time, money, and talent given to God is never wasted. One time I was talking to a friend and you know, he volunteered on a team at a mega church uh, outside the area and he was a part of like helping sell books and marketing stuff. And, and then later on, the church just collapsed. The senior pastor had some issues. It wasn't like an affair or anything super scandalous, but he had some issues and it really just wasn't a healthy leader. And so he had to resign, take a, take a break. And, and then after this, you know, my friend moved here to the Bay Area. And so we were talking about it. And I asked him one time, like, did that just feel like a waste all the time that you invested in serving at that church? And he said, no, because when you serve, regardless of the outcome, God does stuff within your heart because you're doing it for him, not the person, not the leader. You're, you're doing it for him. And not only that, but he can look back on that season and go, you know what? People found Jesus. People decided to follow Jesus. And there is still fruit from that season of ministry even though it didn't end the way any of us would have thought. My friend was investing in God's stuff. God can redeem any situation. Even if people let us down, God sees it. In the end, God will make all things right. So investing with God is the best kind of investing with our lives. But you know what else is really cool is it also comes with a promise attached to it. Which brings us to verse 19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Number four, generous people will always have enough. They will always have enough. This is a promise that comes with a premise. And often the premise gets forgotten. God isn't giving this blanket promise that he's going to meet all of our needs and that he's always going to provide for everyone. Paul is telling the Philippian church specifically that because they're a generous community, 
They can know that they're going to have more than enough. And this is not always a physical or financial promise, not necessarily. Our needs come in many forms. Sometimes our greatest need is community. Sometimes it's emotional support. Sometimes it's encouragement or healing. Paul knows that God will meet their needs because they've been faithful to meet his needs, to be generous and to be concerned and to give when Paul is in need. And so he knows if they're doing this for me, they're doing this for each other. Now, here's what's really interesting. When you belong to a generous community, everyone's needs are met. Gandhi said, the world has enough for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. In a generous community, people's needs are met because people who have more help meet the needs of people who have less. And, you know, maybe in one season, you're the one who's in need. And in another season, you're the one that's able to meet the needs of, of others. Paul knows that as a community committed to one another, God will provide all that they need. So let's review. Number one, we can't give what we don't have. Number two, when we're concerned to give, we discover what we really care about. And number three, investing in God's stuff is never a loss. And lastly, number four, generous people will always have enough. Now, before we close, in a few moments, we're going to receive communion. But some of you might have wondered, what about Philippians 4.13? Like, how have we not talked about that? That's like the most popular verse in this whole letter. It's the most quoted. The most people know it. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've probably heard this. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This might be one of the most misused verses in the entire Bible, okay? I can do all things through him who gives me strength is not a verse about accomplishing things. It's not about getting an A on my test. It's not about the strength of God to get a promotion. It's not about charging the mountain. It's not the best verse to put on someone's yearbook, okay? Because what it's really about is having the strength of God to be content in really tough times. In verse 19, when God promises the Philippians that he'll supply for their needs, he's saying through the strength of God, all our needs can be met in generous community. And Paul's confident that if, if we live in generous community, God will provide for our needs and we can get through it and we can be content. So how can we be a greater blessing to those around us? I want to encourage you to ask that question this week. Just ask God, how can I make room in my life to be a greater blessing for the people around me, the people in my community. As we close, we're going to receive communion. And you know, communion is a really powerful tradition and a great reminder because what it does is it refocuses us back on what we've been given, on the generosity of God for us to send his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So undeserving. You know, the beautiful thing for us as followers of Jesus when we think about what Jesus has done for us and the generosity of God is that no matter what season of life we're in, our baseline is that we're blessed. Our baseline is that we are so, so blessed. And so communion is this tradition where we are reminded of these things. And so I want to encourage you to participate as I read these verses. If you have communion at home, you can get it ready. You can grab some juice and crackers or wine and bread or whatever, whatever you're working with, okay? And I'm going to read these verses and then we're going to go into a time of worship. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, I pray for everyone gathering with us right now, Lord. I pray that we would be inspired by your generosity, that we would be inspired by all that you have given us and that that we would be so inspired that we would ask that question, God, how can I make more room to be a blessing to others? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If you don't live in the area, but this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or more information about getting connected, just go to brave.church. We'll see you next week.